Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, inappropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello, welcome to the Hostile Work Environment. My name is Mark Alifans. I am here with Kate Bischoff, as always. Hello, Kate, how are you today? Good, hello, Mark. How are you doing? I mean, all things considered. All things considered, things are just fine. It's sunny out. That's about all I got. I, I, I impaled my foot this weekend, so I've been limping around because um, my children leave stuff at the bottom of the stairs that's sharp, um, <laughs> you know, that, that sort of thing. Uh, but uh, fortunately, uh, in the couple of weeks since our last episode, um, nothing's happened in the world. So, Nothing you know, there's all. been no news to follow. Um, so given, given that, and there's nothing else we would want to talk about on our podcast, um, I thought it might be good to pick up where I, we left off or I left off with my intro to the last episode, which we recorded before, uh, the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I managed to get a couple of minutes of an intro in just to reference that it had happened. Um, but you and I have not had a chance to kind of download and debrief about it on the podcast. And I think it touched us both significantly, uh, notwithstanding everything that's happened since. Oh, my God. Uh, but I thought it would be good to um, kind of check in with you, get your thoughts around uh, a glorious career uh, in the law and kind of uh, see how you're feeling. Well, I, like many women, particularly female attorneys, I think there are many of us out there who looked at RBG as kind of our superhero, like someone who broke glass ceilings everywhere she went, um, was awesome as a student, but then couldn't find work afterwards because she was a mother, she was a Jew, and she happened to be a, a woman. So all three of those things kind of cast her out of those kinds of contentions. And I had my first kid right after I graduated from law school and passed the bar. And so I was struggling through being a new attorney, having a baby. Um, and she was such a giant in the world that I could look to and say, look at, you can do both, provided you have a supportive spouse. Or even without a supportive spouse, you could still do more and have kids and be successful. And then just her work, her body of work overall on behalf of women and men and the LGBTQ community is just so huge. I mean, she's the Thurgood Marshall for women, essentially, right? It's the way that she could incrementally make changes that have impacted our lives and made things more fair, not 100% fair yet, but more fair for all of us, I think is why she's so important. And I use her as an example because I'm raising two white boys and they need to know those stories too. Agreed on all fronts. Um, Well said. Um, So uh, we thought heading into this um, discussion today that it would be good to start 
by talking about a couple of cases. Uh, interestingly, uh, RBG did not have a lot of employment cases, uh, or at least where she was, she wrote an opinion in them, uh, especially not on the winning side of them. Uh, so I think we've got two. Uh, one was a boring tax case. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, the name of which boring was for it? you? Bo- no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, was it Morris? I think it was against tax commissioner. Yeah, Moritz versus commissioner. Yes. Moritz, and then um, and then we wanted to talk a little bit about Ledbetter, which we've talked about on the podcast before. Um, and then following that, we thought we would talk a little bit just to preview. The, today's episode, we'll talk a little bit about uh, her potential successor, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, and delve into a few employment cases uh, that she has ruled on in the Seventh Circuit. And then we've got two stories uh, about um, jerking off and <laughs> soccer. <laughs> well, okay, so one is literally a classic hostile work environment story yes yes involves literally jerking off and then we come back full circle to talk a little bit about a hostile work environment claim on a soccer pitch so that's right not about jerking off on a soccer pitch because that would be another kind of case Uh, yes it absolutely (laughs) so let's talk about moritz versus commissioner please now, this case, if you've seen On the Basis of Sex, which is a movie about RBG's life, this is the case where she's representing a man who is not getting the same level of benefits because he happens to be a man and not a woman. And it is that first incremental step to getting gender fairness, gender equality on the books. And so it's memorialized wonderfully in that movie, even though the movie itself isn't all that great but it she does a great job in this particular case and it is that one step she goes on from there to create the center for women's rights i'm sure i'm saying that wrong um at the aclu and really brings gender forward as an advocate in that position and then she gets appointed to the supreme court by former president bill clinton and at the end of George W. Bush's term, we get the decision in Ledbetter versus. It's Goodyear Tire, right? Yes, Goodyear. Oh yeah. my God! Okay, I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, put me on the spot. I don't have it in front of me right now. It's Goodyear. Okay, I was yes. like, Whew. okay. It's a tire company. Yes, it's a tire company. So tell me about Ledbetter, Mister Alphonse. <laughs> Well, we've talked about it uh, a lot on the podcast, so I don't, I don't think we're going to dive deep here again. But it's effectively uh, Lily Ledbetter was seeking equal pay, and the court didn't give it to her. I mean, uh, in the end, and and what's significant about it, I think, was was uh, RBG's dissent, which was significant in leading to legislation uh, for the Lily Ledbetter Fair Pay Act, and and so uh, RBG had a huge role in in formulating the argument, putting it forth, and getting Congress and the and new President Obama to sign the law, which was, uh, if I recall, the very first law that Obama signed into law as president. Uh, so, the very first one. So and- wonderful things can come out of a Supreme Court dissent that, that you lose on. Uh, mm-hmm. 
and uh, again, I don't, I don't think her role in this can be, should be minimized at all. No, I think some of the language in her um, dissent is like lifted and placed directly into the legislation as these are the reasons for the legislation and blah, this is what it's trying to say. So she had a really significant impact on that piece. And then she unfortunately leaves us. Um, I thought your tribute was amazing. And then Thank before, you. as the first woman to lie in state at the U.S. Capitol, the very next day, we have an epic event for more than one reason. And that is the announcement of Amy Coney Barrett as a potential or as the nominee for the Supreme Court. And then we have the week that takes a year. Year, yeah. Right? A year's so, worth happens in a week. Yeah. So before we get into the decisions, I think a couple of things are really important to talk about from an employment law perspective. And the first is a non-safe work environment that leads to the spread of a global pandemic on two government institutions. First, the White House, which is currently using an in-house epidemiologist to do contract tracing to find out who has it and is still not mandated masks in their workplace. And, and rapid tests, which aren't very reliable. Yep, exactly. Um, and then uh, the other massive institution is the United States Senate in which we have at least three members of Senators Johnson, Tillis, and Lee. And Tillis and Lee serve on the Judiciary Committee, and because they have tested positive, they can't go to work. So if the Democrats don't show up for the October 12th meeting and two Republicans can't go to work for that because two weeks, you know, there might be sick, getting sicker, um, not hopefully, I mean, I hope they recover, but they can't <laughs> go to work during this period of time. So there's right. not a quorum at the Senate to be able to do the work. Now, this is unlike the U.S. House, which has done some work to allow them to work from home. Right. Remote voting has been, I believe, approved in the House, but not in the yes. Senate. But not in the Senate because they weren't prepared, even though we're seven months into a pandemic, for what happens if members get sick. And they already had a member get sick earlier on. Rand Paul had COVID-19, uh, tried to self-diagnose himself as an eye doctor, but <laughs> the value of that, questionable. Yeah. But we still have, you know, the Judiciary Committee, which needs to deal with the Coney Barrett nomination and if they can't meet what happens so. yeah it's going to be interesting and they both come out with statements saying they will be there in 10 days or i guess eight days from now uh even though that's less than the 14 days that you would need to isolate uh assuming that that their uh feeling well. course course of the disease is such that they they're feeling well enough and not contagious anymore uh, you know, they both said they're going to come back because the vote is that important. Uh, that being said, uh, it'll be an interesting to play to see if they uh, 
are more willing to put their fellow senators at risk of contracting COVID uh, than, than, you know, if that's more important to them uh, than not. Uh, the last time I checked, the second most important Republican on that committee is Chuck Grassley. And he's no spring chicken. So yeah. he's definitely... Well, most senators. <laughs> <laughs> True. But Chuck is up there. I he's mean, up there. As his neighbor to the north, uh, we hear a lot about Chuck Grassley, and he is... He could be at risk, so... Yeah, so I, it's going to be in interesting to see how this plays out. If that meeting, if that doesn't happen, uh, I don't know enough about the timelines for what the last possible day the committee could vote that then leads to them, uh, the full Senate having a vote before Election Day. I don't know the timelines well enough, but, uh, mm -hmm. at, uh, you know, what was looking like a fairly sure thing uh is now called into some question i'm not willing to go so far as to say it's a real question at this point but uh there is some question and doubt cast on whether the nomination will move forward in the time frame that the republicans originally had planned for right there are at least two other members republican members of the judiciary committee that are seated next to or in between uh tillis and lee and that's ben sass and josh howley so there's there are two others that who have tested negative thus far, but we're at the super spreader event on that. Right. Event. So and so. and we're still within a window. I think coming near the end of it, but we're still within a window where if they had caught it at that event, they may just now be testing positive. I don't think that's going to happen, is my guess. But um, in any event, uh, what seemed like a uh, sure thing is now slightly less than a sure thing, and. Um, we're just going to press forward here as if it's going to happen and we can talk about her employment cases. Uh, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, I think there's, there's two headlines if I look at, so there's been a couple of articles that have come out. Our friend, Eric Meyer, who does the employment handbook, employer handbook, uh, website, mm -hmm. uh, has done some really great, uh, write-ups on these cases this week. I encourage everybody to go read those. Um, but uh, we have uh, an article here on uh, seven employment rulings that she has made in the Seventh Circuit. Uh, and I think the headlines here, if I were to sum this up, are that she seems on this particular issue fairly moderate. There's a, an even, roughly even split between uh, what you might see as a pro-employee versus pro-employer uh, result in these cases. So she's not, it doesn't appear that she's an ideologue in that sense. I, you know, I think she will rule uh, for either side, depending on where the law goes with it. Though I think there's one caveat that you're going to make to that. Uh, we'll well, get there. Two, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there in a second. But then there's also uh, a case where uh, the N-word plays pretty prominently. And I think you and I... Uh, I think as a defense lawyer, I would be like, yeah, right on. She, you know, they, defense lawyers won that case. And you and I have had our, our own disagreements about summary judgment over the last two weeks um, <laughs> playing out on social media. But uh, notwithstanding that, um, I think that there is a conclusion she draws that you and I both, both disagree with around how yeah. many times that word can be said before there's a real question of fact as to whether it's uh, a hostile work environment or not. And so, yeah. so I, I will turn it over to you for your caveats 
around her her whether she's whether she's really neutral or kind of moderate on this issue or whether she still leans one way or the other well i i'm going to give her a cup the first caveat is the ones that are deemed to be pro plaintiff are ones that she's reviewing a jury verdict on yeah yeah and it is incredibly hard to say these 12 people who sat through days and days of evidence they're wrong the law should be this and that jury verdict should be overdone right so and these so, are motions for what what were they judgment notwithstanding the verdict yeah. right which is you know you can file kind of there's three different times just to get into some procedure here there's kind of three times you can try to get rid of a case as a defendant right so you can motion to dismiss you can have a motion for summary judgment and then if there's a trial those are both pre-trial if there's a trial you can then try to make a motion afterwards saying notwithstanding what the jury said there's no way that any reasonable jury should have found that and the the law doesn't get there so you the judge should overturn it and what kate's saying is is that's very hard for judges to do right and that's the posture in these cases where she's siding with the employee right it's very hard for a judge to say there's no way a reasonable juror could find this when they did find it right right like so that makes it particularly difficult so when we count up the cases and look at there's some pro plaintiff ones well Sure, they're pro-plaintiff ones that went through trial. There's not a whole lot of decisions that she reverses summary judgment on, which would be the big key to a plaintiff-friendly decision. That would be uh, more telling, certainly, right. uh, than what we have here. So, again, not going to go with ideologue, but mm-hmm. we don't have the evidence here to show that she's willing to overturn a summary judgment for a plaintiff. It doesn't mean she wouldn't. Uh, we just have some some cases that that she she upheld the jury verdicts in favor of a plaintiff. Right. And then we get to the big caveat that we agree on that yeah. the N word is not enough to create a hostile, offensive or intimidating workplace. So in that case, it's Smith versus Illinois Corrections, right? Illinois Department of Transportation, in fact. Okay. Oh, the other one's a corrections case. Yes. Yeah, there is a separate corrections case corrections in case. here. Yeah, yeah, there's a separate. Okay, so she gets to this decision, and the question is whether or not there was sufficient evidence to allow the case to go to jury. Mm-hmm. And the district court says, no, there's not enough evidence. Uh, I can dismiss this at summary judgment. Then a three-court or three-judge panel at the Seventh Circuit says, you're right, not enough evidence to go to the jury. The big headline coming out of this case, though, is that the plaintiff alleged that their supervisor had used the N-word, and that creates that intimidating, hostile, or offensive work environment. And both the district court judge and then the Seventh Circuit panel, including Judge Barrett, who writes the decision, says that the N-word is an egregious racial epithet. That said, Smith can't win simply by proving that a word was uttered. Uh, He must also demonstrate that his colleague, which actually his supervisor, use Mm -hmm. of the word altered the conditions of his employment and created a hostile or abusive working environment. He must make this showing from both a subjective and objective point of view. Now, so to do that, he has to say, this was offensive to me and this would be offensive to anyone else. Now, 
whoever handled his his deposition didn't get that evidence because you would do a deposition and have that evidence in front of you for for summary judgment. That said, I, you know, I don't think the N-word is subjective and objectively a-okay. No, agreed. And, and you know, I, certainly if, uh, if I'm still doing defense work for, for a law firm uh, defending uh, on cases like this, that's exactly the argument I would make. And it's it's probably one that wins a good chunk of the time. That being said, I was looking from a little more of a neutral standpoint. I don't know how today you can look at that and say uh, that it it is it is insufficiently potentially subjective and objectively offensive in a severe way to to your you know both the the plaintiff and the neutral observer that we shouldn't let the jury make that decision, right? Yeah. So to, so, cause what she's saying is it's not enough and we're just not going to let the case move forward. I think that's a pretty hard argument these days. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, again, I, it's a close call. And I think her, her, her statement of the law is correct. I'm just not sure her application of facts to law is exactly where I'd come down on it. Uh, but I'd certainly be making that argument on the other side. Uh, so I'm a little more, I'm going to be a little more kind of, uh, down the middle on this than I think you are, but I think we both agree that, that in this day and age, I think that's a hard summary judgment win. And she grant, she gave the win to yeah. the defendant. I think I agree with you. I think that's really hard, especially since summary judgment is supposed to be an amazing an rare ex thing. extraordinary remedy, I believe, is and, is and, the word you've used. Yes, and others, not remedy. just not just yours. Uh huh. Uh, no, I would say that, that is the Supreme Court's use. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. It's not. I, yeah, I was. I was. I was just saying. I'm not trying to attribute that. That <laughs> you are the only one saying that. No. Um, and so, in particular, to that case, I think because it sends the message, like we have the message in sexual harassment, where you get one free touch. And then the second one is where it's the, the problem. one that's it's over like you the get, edge. Right. You get one free N word, but you can't ever say it again. Like, I think that's the wrong message to be sending employers by this decision. I, I agree. And, and, and again, you know, looking at today's standard, notwithstanding mm -hmm. that, I think we both have questions about the standard generally, but the standard is severe or pervasive. Right. And so mm -hmm. the question is what I think she's trying to get at here is it's not so severe that one time is enough to get you there. Right. And so that's why, you know, your your one free touch, you know, maybe your one free epithet, but a second one. Hey everyone. So uh yeah, like this is the moment where we lost our connection when we recorded this yesterday and didn't realize it. So let's uh, be clear, you lost your connection. Well, I think it's Zencaster lost the connection <laughs> with the service we're using. Uh and didn't tell me that my end had stopped recording. So we've got 46 wonderful minutes of Kate from yesterday's when we were recording and only 22 minutes of me. So uh, I know we were just kind of wrapping up our Amy Coney Barrett conversation. Uh, I think rather than try to tease out the last 90 seconds or so that we did there, we're just going to leave it there. Uh, sorry for that abrupt uh, end to that conversation. But uh, we've got a good one to pick it right back up with. So, uh, mm -hmm. so uh, let's talk about the masturbating uh, 
a venture capitalist or whatever he does. Well, to fit in the stereotype of investment banking, particularly the investment banking in New York, uh, let's go to the story of Logan Williams. Now, Logan Williams, if you read that name on a resume, you might assume that Logan is a male. Well, Logan is not a male. Instead, she has brought a complaint alleging some gruesome sexual harassment, classic hostile work environment podcast content, including walking in on her manager director, Chuck, not even going by Charles, but Chuck, masturbating <laughs> in a conference room. Way to go, Chuck. That's, that's appropriate workplace behavior right there. Mm-hmm. So, Ms. Williams alleges that Marathon Capital operated, can you guess, like a... Like a boys club? Oh, yes. Exactly. Like a boys club, where women were routinely demeaned, marginalized, underpaid, undertitled, and subjected to egregious, sexually inappropriate conduct and comments. She learned this almost as soon as she walked into the door, not just the conference room door, but the main door to Marathon Capital. <laughs> now, shocking statistic here from Marathon. It has 43 employees. Do you want to guess the percentage of women? I'm going to go with low. <laughs> five. Not even 5%. Five. Five. Five out of 43 people are women. Maybe the- So that would be like 10%. Right. It would be more than 5%. And more than 5%. But, you know, maybe- But we didn't go to law school for math, so, you know. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, assuming that they are taking some cues from the Wells Fargo CEO, who alleges that there just aren't enough women in the pipeline, maybe that is why there are not enough women at Marathon Capital as well. Now- uh, this case <laughs> fix the up pipeline people come on <laughs> sarcasm font and volume unavailable uh, yes <laughs> super sarcasm here right now this particular case brings up an issue that I think is fascinating in which we have a combination of both sexual conduct like masturbating in a conference room uh, sending screenshots of a bad behavior uh, listening to individuals complain about their sex life with the combination of the underpaid, undertitled and comments like uh, you're nagging like my wife or, you know, more gender-based discrimination or gender-based harassment. So often when we have a sexual harassment complaint, we have these gender comments built in and it makes it kind of difficult to have just a pure gender case because most oftentimes in gender cases, we have that sex conduct going along with it. And I think there's going to be eventually the case that has just pure gender harassment and doesn't include sexual misbehavior. So I think that's an interesting thing. Other big caveat to this case is that we're taking all of this information solely from a complaint. There is no defenses right. yet other than you know, we fired her for this and we are going to defend ourselves to the hill, right? 
Yeah, from the article it says, I mean, their their reason is that she sent some inappropriate texts, is what I believe. Uh, at least that's what her complaint says is the pretext for her termination, I believe. I saw that in the article. Uh, but So we don't know uh, what what uh, Marathon is going to say in response to this, but um, uh, it, this is a pretty bad complaint. <laughs> um, you know, some some advice out there, if you've got an office with a door that closes and a lock, do it in there. Don't do it in the conference no, room. No, 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 Just don't do it at work. <laughs> oh, Kate, come on. Keep your pants on at work. Yeah, no. If you're going to go work uh, out after change at the gym, right? Like, keep your Obviously, pants that was on a joke. <laughs> Again, sarcasm font, unavailable. Yeah, no. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Don't keep your pants on at work, whoever you are. Mm-hmm. Don't. Yeah, conference room, office, doesn't matter. But, right. you know, it's I like mean, the conference room, it was like he wanted to be found, right, in a, in a way yeah. that that makes the conduct worse. That's all. That That's the point there. Not not that it's okay to jerk off at work. Yeah, and general, the, other, but, you know. the other thing that makes me scratch my nose about this case is that I have a, quite a few clients in New York City, and I visited them, and I've done investigations there. And every time I go... I have to specifically ask for an office that doesn't have a window because every conference room has a window into it. So if he was sitting in a conference room with a window, he was bound to like, is there some voyeuristic piece to it? I don't, I don't know. It's just way too much. Data. I mean, if, if the conference room has a window, an internal window, and he's doing that, that, that to me, I mean, again, it, it takes something that's really bad and makes it marginally worse. But that's just, I mean, it's just the level of brazenness, right? <laughs> to to be like, I can do this. I am powerful enough to do this and have no consequences come from it. Like, that's the level of boys club, Matt Lauer kind of, you know, brazen yeah. ballsiness. And, and, you know, tunnel vision to not think of your surroundings <clears throat> in which to do this. You know, I always heard that it was going to make you blind and here it was just going to make you not see <laughs> So. <laughs> wow, that is, it, it is in effect a form of blindness. You're absolutely right. What we always heard is true. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Should we move on to another boys club? Yeah, let's talk about this other boys club. Um, uh, this, this involves at least less masturbation, this particular boys club, you know, at least yes. uh, in public. Um, so uh, we're going to talk about USL soccer. Now, uh, we've said before on this podcast, this is a soccer-loving <laughs> podcast, um, and, and you need to love soccer to talk about USL to a certain extent, because we're not even talking about, about major league soccer in the United States. We're talking about minor league soccer <laughs> in the United States. So uh, we're going to talk about a new team, a brand new team this year, the San Diego Loyal, uh, who uh, happened to be coached by none other than U.S. men's soccer legend Landon Donovan. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I looked this up after our recording yesterday. So do you? So he's tied for the most men's go- goals. Okay. Do you know who has the most goals overall for U.S. soccer? That I don't know. Abby Wambach. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of and the women's team. She also holds uh, the record for the most concussions. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, the two two not entirely uh, 
two very different records to hold. I'll <laughs> yes, say that. Not um, mutually exclusive, so, but and, and and just to give you a sense, uh, Wambach scored 184 international goals in her career, and Donovan scored like 52. <laughs> so just to give you a sense of the difference there. Yeah, uh, between and, the top and, flight women, which we already know the top flight women in the United States and the women's national team has had so much more success than the men. Yes. Uh, that, uh, yeah, it's not and, unexpected. No, and the reason Mark is commenting on this because he kept saying that Landon Donovan, the most famous soccer player, and I kept saying male, male. Yeah, no, no, she, she kept me honest and she was right. So, uh, you know, but, and, and, and you know, in my head, I, I take, if we're talking about the men, we're talking about the men. If we're talking about the women, we're talking about the women. But I was using too general a term, and you're right. So <laughs> I'm, I, I looked it up, I, I, you know, because I knew, I knew Abby Wambach was the highest score. I just wasn't sure what the numbers were. And it's like three times, as, more than three times as many goals uh, scored in international play anyway. So, uh, so anyway, Landon Donovan, U.S. men's soccer legend, um, and his new team, is vying for a playoff spot at the end of the shortened USL season. So, uh, but they've had a rough, really rough couple of weeks here. And and we want to talk about Landon Donovan, not just U.S. men's soccer hero, but U.S. men's, you know, uh, just he's he's he, he's the hero in the story. So we'll we'll get we'll get for there in a minute. Sure. So so two Wednesdays ago, the Loyal were playing LA Galaxy two. Now. You know, again, we're, we're going to riff a little bit on our prior recording to this, which is, you know, a lot of the uh, major league soccer teams have minor league teams. But like in baseball, it's like, you know, you've got, you know, the Phillies and then their triple A affiliate is the Iron Pigs, which I think is one of the coolest like baseball names ever. Uh, uh, they're Lehigh Valley. It's like Allentown where there's a lot of iron workers or iron pigs. That's what they call the iron workers. Um, so. In this case, though, minor league soccer, a lot of the major league teams have a minor league team, and then they just name them, like, Major League Team 2. So, like, the Timbers have T2, LA Galaxy, and it's just like with the Galaxy, like, you could have so many cool... Yes, like absolutely. The, you could be the solar system, you could be an right. asteroid, a meteorite. Meteorites, right? Mm -hmm. Like, meteorites, like, it's like, yeah, it's like Major League Light, you know, it's like yeah. the meteors <laughs> and the meteorites. Anyway, but no, they're just LA Galaxy 2. Uh, and during this game against LA Galaxy 2, an LA defender, Omar Ontiveros, made a racial slur toward loyal defender Elijah Martin in, in the second half of the match. Now, a little bit of buzz on the field at the time, but, but the loyal didn't stop the game. They kind of went, got to the end. And the next day, USL issued uh, Ontiveros a six-game suspension uh, on top of a one-match ban that he'd already earned by getting a red card in that match for a completely separate in incident. So, way to go, uh, Omar. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, later that day, L.A. and Ontiveros mutually agreed to terminate his contract. Good. Mm -hmm. But the club never issued an apology. Bad. Uh, bad. Like, come on, guys. I was like, I was reading about this before I did my little write-up here, and I'm like, oh, good, good. Oh, uh. they didn't do the really important part. <laughs> You know, it's like, mm -hmm. but at least they got rid of the guy. All right. So, so Donovan, uh, Landon Donovan goes through this as the coach of the loyal and later said that he regretted that he didn't do something more significant during the match. And I understand why, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, he wanted to move on, wanted to get the game played. Understandable. Fast forward a week later, this past Wednesday, just a week, 
just a week, one week. This is this is and this is why this is sort of, sort of crazy. There's a whole bunch of reasons why this is crazy, but all right. So so the loyal are playing Phoenix Rising, which I think is very clever. But when we recorded <laughs> yesterday, you did not think it was nearly as clever as I did. Uh, uh, it it's somewhat cool. It's also pretty cliche. I kind of like that it's rising because it could be to the majors, right? I mean, right, right. Like the play. team is on the rise, and yeah. the Phoenix rises from the ashes. Anyway. Right, with with the exception of one key player here who went for the majors to the minors, but okay yeah fair so uh so they're playing phoenix rising crucial match uh must win match for the loyal if they win there's this complicated math about whether they make the playoffs but if they don't win there's no way they're in the playoffs so they want to win this game it's a huge game half time's approaching the loyal are up two to one and the loyal player gets fouled setting up a, a dangerous free kick for them in the middle of this, as the setup for this kick is coming, one of the Phoenix players, Junior Flemings, starts yelling at loyal midfielder Colin Martin. Now, you know Colin Martin. Yes. How do you know Colin Martin? Not personally, I, I assume. but I have done some work for the Minnesota Loons, and, and they had Colin Martin playing for them at the time I did some work for them. So I had the chance to meet a lot so of So you've met players. him before. Yeah. Yeah. And and what is somewhat unique about Colin Martin in professional sports? He was the first out professional athlete. Yes. So he's been out since around 2018, making him one of the very few openly gay players in soccer or any sport any for that sport. matter. So in the middle of this, Junior Flemings comes up uh, to Martin and starts yelling, fuck you. Suck your mother. That's the way I said it. Suck your mother. That's a new one for me. Um, and eventually uh, called Colin a gay slur. I'm not going to repeat Fair. here, but it but it's a Jamaican slur, though. You'd be able to figure it out. It's not super hard to figure out. So, mm -hmm. um, so Colin is pretty not okay with this not and goes okay. to goes to the referee and and says Flemings yelled a gay slur at me. And he said the, what the slur was to the ref. The ref didn't hear him, so he repeated it and kind of yelled it at the ref. The ref totally misunderstands the situation and thinks Colin is calling him the name. And so he gives Colin a red card. So Colin mm has -hmm. now been Super. called this name and is now out of the match, mm -hmm. kicked out of the match. So And rightfully angry. Oh, of course. Of course, rightfully angry, yes. So, uh, pandemonium ensues. Uh, the loyal players all gather around the ref trying to explain. They do take some time to sort it out. And the ref, and I've never, like, maybe once ever seen this before, the ref actually rescinds the red card. Woo! Understanding now that this is, he totally misunderstood the situation. The half ends. Okay, the loyal are still up two to one. The ref... Uh, and Donovan and rising coach Rich Chance have an exchange on the sideline because it's just moments after all of this goes down. Mm -hmm. uh, and this whole exchange is caught on video. You can look it up online and, and like, you'll see it's, I mean, Donovan is just really impressive in this. Um, but Donovan's saying, why, uh, why did you just stop there? Why didn't you give Fleming's a, a card or a red card or kick? like he, he's yelling, slurs on the field and mm -hmm. and uh chance tries to downplay it saying um uh uh 
sorry, it, I'm just going through my notes here. So he it's tries to downplay it. room talk. Just right. Well, something like that. The ref refuses further discipline. Donovan uh, is outraged. Chance keeps defending the play, uh, the player, saying, like, don't make a big scene. This isn't a big deal. Uh, he's implying it's fine. And then there's the, the quote here. They're competing. How long have you been playing soccer? Yeah. Like implying there that like in the heat of the match, it's okay to say these sorts of things. And also asking Landon Donovan, one of the top <laughs> players of all time, you know, how long you've been playing soccer comes across as pretty dumb. So Can you imagine Don a court saying, oh, but it was just the heat of the moment. That comment doesn't mean anything. Like in any context, whether it was harassment, no. if it was in in criminal liability oh it was just the heat of the moment he didn't mean to say i'm gonna kill you because like, sports because sports right the i mean it's the it's sports exception the sports exception you can take all sorts of nasty <laughs> stuff in sport oh come on plenty of people have used the locker room talk exception mm -hmm. well now it's just the field exception on the or, field exception oh i know it's the general civility code that we're not that's right safe. That's right. That's right. Deep he didn't mean it personally. He's just, yeah. <laughs> he didn't mean it personally. He's just trying to make you feel less confident on the field, to get you riled up, mm -hmm, to make you mm -hmm. angry so you don't play as well. So, so Donovan reports and uh, retorts back at Chance and goes, you're better than that, man. Right. And then he turns towards a San Diego staff member who's off camera and he goes, I can't go through this shit again. All right. So, so they walk off, they go to their locker rooms for halftime. Donovan's pissed because nobody seems to be doing anything about this. In the locker room at halftime, you know, before Donovan meets with them, the players are like pissed, but they want to continue the game. But Donovan goes in and explains how ignorant Chance was toward the incident, trying to downplay it. Now, after the game, Chance tried to defend his behavior, step it back, uh, but his words, and tried to kind of, re-explain what he actually meant by those words about, you know, they're competing, how long have you been playing soccer? But it's totally at odds with what you see on camera. Like, it's it's just, it, it totally, you know, it does not ring true. So having now heard about Chance's response, Donovan, along with Colin, and the rest of the team decide, we're, we're not coming back out. We're going to boycott the rest of this game because the ref won't do anything, because this player's still allowed to be in the game, um, and so despite being ahead in the match, despite all of the implications for the team's success that are on the line, they forfeit the game and any chance to make the playoffs. Now, for their part, Phoenix and Flemings both deny that he made any comment, but three Phoenix players confirmed it. I'm so, sure of those Phoenix players for confirming right? it. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Right. And the league is, is, has launched an investigation now. Uh, you know, we can say what we will about how, how, you know, rampant this sort of behavior may be in sports. Um, you know, it doesn't excuse it. It's out there. But what kind of leadership shown by Landon Donovan, right, who came out and, and, and spoke even more in subsequent interviews when asked about this and just saying this has no place in our game. This, this has no place anywhere mm -hmm. and, and really spoke as an advocate and and to back his player and to have the team back the player no matter the consequences is just turns this just ugly incident into one of for me the most heartwarming events of an admittedly dismal 2020 but <laughs> you know it, i just thought that was pretty awesome
Yeah, whenever somebody does the right thing, it's something that we should celebrate. And here, Landon Donovan is doing the right thing, even though it's the difficult decision for his team. Yeah. Um, and really setting the tone for what other matches are going to be when you play against his team. I hope that the league and then other leagues model this and say, we're not going to tolerate this behavior, period, full stop, end of story. And so they take that. And if you are in an organization where something like this has happened, I'd recommend you go watch his interview. Because if you go yes. watch him talk about what happened and what they were going to do, that is the kind of authentic, ethical leadership, whatever you want to adjective you want to put in front of a good leader is doing what he is doing. And so I hope Mr. Donovan has a long coaching and leadership career in front of him. Couldn't say it better myself. <laughs> I thought it was a great story. So uh, that's our show for today. Um, <laughs> Uh, we had a nice riff when we recorded this yesterday about, you know, we don't hear from a whole lot of you. Uh, so you can get in touch with us at hwepodcast at gmail.com. It's like, you know, we've got a lot of people listening. You know, we've got about a thousand listeners at least. And, you know, I, my email, the email is just kind of dead. So whether you have a story to tell, a question to ask, a comment to make, uh, making fun of me. <laughs> You know, whatever you want to do. My favorite we, we, pastime. Right. Uh, you can send that to HWE Podcast. You can tweet at us and uh, we'll likely uh, read it on, a, on an upcoming uh, episode. You can ask us questions around employment law. Uh, no legal advice being given. But, you know, <laughs> uh, we can talk about it, certainly. Um, or tell your own story or make your own comment. Uh, and lots mm -hmm. of podcasts I listen to get tons of listener mail. Um, we want to interact with all of you. It's part of why we do this. Um, mm -hmm. And while we've been a little light, just because life and 2020 are what they are on the social media interaction, um, I think it, we would love to hear from you and love to get your feedback because we know you're out there. Yes. So. Yes. And in the meantime, please feel free to connect with us, but also wash your hands and wear a mask, please. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And especially if you're meeting us in person, which seems unlikely, uh, that would be appreciated. Uh, and also, you know, I, I hope everyone's doing well. I, 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 it's easy to overlook that on a, trying to be funny on this podcast, but I know you and I both are having our ups and downs, mm -hmm. uh, as part of, of, of the pandemic. And we're both in a fairly privileged position, uh, and so many are not, and we want to be very cognizant of that and sympathetic towards what everybody's going through. Uh, so I do hope everybody's doing well. And if you need help that you're reaching out to get help. So, uh, uh, anyway, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. I think we, we riffed on this yesterday when we recorded this, we have no idea what we're going to talk about in two weeks as we approach the election here, we may just be like, screw employment while we're just going to talk. I the don't news, know. We'll see. Yeah, the news changes day by day. It could be, you know, it could be the end of the world by the time we're talking. Maybe then the LA galaxy too will be the LA asteroids or meteorites too and they'll be killing us so <laughs> could happen soccer team from la destroys the world <laughs> yes they go they get godzilla pills it's actually given what's happened this year it's actually seems not outside the realm of what <laughs> could happen so yes okay all right well goodbye everybody bye everyone 